Chapter Thirty Eight of April's Lady. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. April's Lady by Margaret Wolfe Hungerford. Chapter Number Thirty Eight. Tis said the rose is love's own flower, its blush so bright, its thorns so many. There is no mistake in the joy with which Felix parts from his companions after luncheon. He breathes afresh as he sees them tearing up the staircase to get ready for their afternoon walk, nurse puffing and panting behind them. The drawing-room seems a bower of repose after the turmoil of the late feast, and besides, it cannot be long now before she, they, return. That is, if they, she, return at all. He has, indeed, ample time given him to imagine this last horrible possibility, as not only a probability, but a certainty before the sound of coming footsteps up the stairs and the fro-fro of pretty frocks tells him his doubts were harmless involuntarily he rises from his chair and straightens himself out of the rather forlorn position into which he has fallen and fixes his eyes immovably upon the door are there two of them that is beyond doubt it is only mad people who chatter to themselves, and certainly Mrs. Monkton is not mad. Barbara has indeed raised her voice a little more than ordinary, and has addressed Joyce by her name on her hurried way up the staircase and across the cushioned recess outside the door. Now she throws open the door and enters, radiant, if a little nervous. Here we are says she very pleasantly and with all the put-on manner of one who has made up her mind to be extremely joyous under distinct difficulties you are still here then and alone they didn't murder you joyce and i had our misgivings all along ah i forgot you haven't seen joyce until now how do you do says miss kavanagh holding out her hand to him with a calm as perfect as her smile i do hope they were good goes on mrs monkton her nervousness rather increasing you know i have always said they were the best children in the world ah said said repeats mrs monkton who now seems grateful for the chance of saying anything what is the meaning of Joyce's sudden amiability? And is it amiability, or— It is true one can say almost anything, says Joyce quite pleasantly. She nods her head prettily at Dysart. There is no law to prevent them. Barbara thinks you are not sincere. She is not fair to you. You always do mean what you say, don't you? But for the smile that accompanies these words, Dysart would have felt his doom sealed. 
but could she mean a stab so cruel so direct and still look kind oh he is always sincere says barbara quickly only people say things about one's children you know that she stops they are the dearest children you are a bad mother you wrong them says joyce laughing lightly plainly at the idea of barbara's affection for her children being impugned she told me turning her lovely eyes full on dysart with no special expression in them whatsoever that i should find only your remains after spending an hour with them her smile was brilliant she was wrong you see i am still here says felix hardly knowing what he says in his desire to read her face which is strictly impassive yes still here says miss kavanagh smiling always and apparently meaning nothing at all yet to felix watching her there seems to be something treacherous in her manner still here had she hoped he would be gone was that the cause of her delay had she purposely put off coming home to give him time to grow tired and go away and yet she is looking at him with a smile i'm afraid you had a bad luncheon and a bad time generally says mrs monkton quickly who seemed hurried in every way but we came home as soon as ever we could didn't we joyce her appeal to her sister is suggestive of fear as to the answer but she need not have been nervous about that we flew declares miss kavanagh with delightful zeal we thought we should never get here soon enough didn't we barbara there is the very barest faintest imitation of her sister's voice in this last question a subtle touch of mockery so slight so evanescent as to leave one doubtful as to its ever having existed yes yes indeed says barbara coloring we flew so fast indeed that i am sure you are thoroughly fatigued says miss kavanagh addressing her why don't you run away now and take off your bonnet and lay down for an hour or so but begins barbara and then stops short what does it all mean this new departure of her sister's puzzles her to so deliberately ask for a tete-a-tete -tete with felix to what end the girl's manner so bright filled with such a glittering geniality so unlike the usual listlessness that has characterized it for so long both confuses and alarms her why is she so amiable now there has been a little difficulty about getting her back at all quite enough to make mrs monkton shiver for dysart's reception by her and here now half an hour later she is beaming upon him and being more than ordinarily civil what is she going to do oh no buts said joyce gaily you know you said your head was aching and mr dysart will excuse you he will not be so badly off even without you 
he will have me she turns a full glance on felix as she says this and looks at him with lustrous eyes and white teeth showing through her parted lips the soupon of mockery in her whole air of which all through he has been faintly but uncomfortably aware has deepened i shall take care he is not dull but says barbara again rather helplessly no no you must rest yourself remember we are going to that at home at the thizers to-night and i would not miss it for anything don't dwell with such sad looks on mr dysart i have promised to look after him you will let me take care of you for a little while mr dysart will you not turning another brilliant smile upon felix who responds to it very gravely he is regarding her with a searching air how is it with her some old words reoccur to him there is treachery o azaiah why does she look at him like that he must trust her present attitude even that aggressive mood of hers at the dore gallery on the last day when they met was preferable to this agreeable but detestable indifference it is always a pleasure to be with you says he steadily perhaps a little doggily there see you says joyce with a pretty little nod at her sister well i shall take half an hour's rest says mrs monkton reluctantly who is in truth feeling as fresh as a daisy but who is afraid to stay but i shall be back for tea she gives a little kindly glance to felix and with a heart filled with forebodings leaves the room what a glorious day it has been says joyce continuing the conversation with dysart in that new manner of hers quite as if barbara's going was a matter of small importance and the fact that she has left him for the first time for all these months alone together of less importance still she is standing on the hearth rug and is slowly taking the pins out of her bonnet she seems utterly unconcerned he might be the veriest stranger or else the oldest the most uninteresting friend in the world she has taken out all the pins now and has thrown her bonnet on to the lounge nearest to her and is standing before the glass in the oriver mantle patting and pushing into order the soft locks that lie upon her forehead end of chapter thirty eight recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c